Good evening, good evening, good evening. Hey, Miss Daphne, just hold on for one second. Just making sure we have everyone on. This is uh, with the current world situation of the COVID-19 pandemic, we in America have now faced another explosive situation with the death of George Floyd and the local police of with the local police of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Our country is truly angry now. First a pandemic, and now this. Well, tonight on Man in the Mirror with your hosts, um, Kai and Michelle, we have two extraordinary people in our studio that will help us understand and give us their perspective. Our guest this evening is none other than Daphne Alston of Mothers of Murdered Sons and Daughters and our great pastor, Erica J. Stanley, pastor of Masterpiece Community Connection Ministries. Welcome to the show, ladies. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Welcome. All right. Now we're going. To, if you guys have, if it, there's anyone with any questions for our guests, please press the uh, number one on your phone, and you'll be put in our queue um, at that time when it's time to chime in for questions and answers. And let me give you a little information about these two wonderful ladies, because these are two power hitters that we have on this evening. Miss Alston's commitment to the Baltimore community began in 2008 with her, when her 22-year-old son, Tyreek Alston, was murdered in Harford County. From her grief, she founded Moms of Mothers, Murdered Daughters, and Sons, uh, United, Inc., Moms and uh, the national headquarters of the organization is located at 1911 North Payson Street. Since being founded, Moms has helped hundreds of families to navigate their pain, paperwork, and logistics of losing a son or a daughter. Our very own Erica J. Stanley, born in Boston, Massachusetts, is the oldest of three siblings. She is the mother of one son, Jamari Stanley Jones and one spiritual daughter, Kiev, and a spiritual granddaughter, Kelasia K.K. Williams. In 2005, Elder Stanley received her degree in biblical studies from Bethel Seminary School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Since December 2005, Ms. Stanley has been the coordinator of the SNC Department of Project Place Incorporated. She provides permanent housing and support to over 100 families, each headed by a disabled, formerly homeless individual in Baltimore City. And they both have longer and extensive resumes, but we're just going to give a few of what was going on. And if you are in our studio and if you called in, if you have any questions as we're going through tonight's um, episode, please press the number one on your phone. And if you're in our chat room, Michelle will be in the chat room. So, you know, she will be there taking um, any questions and comments that you have for our guests this evening. And with that said, before we let these two power hitters go, we will open up in prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we just bow down as humble servants. Thank you, Lord, for our lying down. Thank you, Lord, for our waking up, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for these two women of God who have come, who have a job to do. You gave each of them a special job to do. One to help those who are going through and one to minister to word to all of us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the situations that of the pandemic that's going on. You, the, Bible, um, the Bible said, David said, bless the Lord at all times. I will praise. His praise shall be continually on my lips, Lord. Let us continue to praise him even in the midst of this, Lord. We don't know why it's happening, Lord. 
for you do, Lord. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the families that are represented online tonight, Lord, as we are all going through. But, Lord, you said, you know, you wanted us to be still. You want us to know and learn what is going on um, with this pandemic, with all the murders, Lord, with everything, Lord. We are to continue to look towards you. And we will never fail to give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Miss Daphne, we're going to start off start off with you because we know why you started because this is the second time you second or third time that you've been on our program um and what 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 is your perspective of what's been going on with the COVID-19 and then alongside with um the George George um Floyd um uh, murder well the COVID-19 of course is uh, a virus that has has spread through the United States and um, other countries, but we get those viruses like every once in a while. We've always had plagues and stuff. Um, I think this is probably the first time any of us have ever experienced it and not knowing, you know, what it is and how to go about it, where it's coming from. I think that's it has everybody so hysterical. And we already were going through some type of depression or oppression anyway from all the senseless homicides and the violence that's taking place in our community. And then we had to stay in place. And most people are staying in place with people who they don't want to be around or people they don't love or have problems with. And it just all has just met up and come to a head. Um, For a lot of people, the pandemic, especially on the spiritual level, has giving you enough time to sit still and finally hear from God and hear what he's trying to do with our lives and what he wants us to do. For a lot of other people, it's just um, um, time to be off working and rest and be tired and whatever they want to do. A lot of people just need a rest, especially a mental, mental. I think we all at a mental point in our life. It could go either way. We have good days and bad days. We just try to stay focused and, you know, look to the hills for what's coming for our help. And um, just try to stay focused. But one thing I do want to say that the homicide rate, um, it's not going down. In fact, it has increased. Even during a pandemic, people are, I think, in worse shape than they were mentally before the pandemic. And then people are losing their jobs and um, don't know what to expect. People are dying. Loved ones are dying. And I think everybody is just at, at a place where, like I said, it could go either way. And it's just hard to... It's just hard to, you know, to really think what God is, is trying to do because... I always think of God as a loving God who, you know, he he wouldn't put us through this. He wouldn't let three old children die from gunshot or he wouldn't let my son die from gunshot wound. Because those of us, you know, we serve God, we worship, we go to church, we do those things, and it's like, wow, boomerang. So I think there's a lot of just undecisiveness in our lives right now. But, um, of course, we're going to get through it. We're getting through it, you know, for most of us who have faith. And for everybody else, the people that have faith and the believers should be out there 
some kind of social media or something, talking to people who are going through and help them get through it. So that's how I, that is my um, mention of the what's going on right now. So what is your um, perspective on with the, the George um, Floyd uh, murder? George Floyd was just another police brutality murder that's been going on probably since slavery and after slavery. And all. It's just now we have these fancy telephones and we can record things and you can actually see it. But the people have been saying this for years and years and years, what was going on. And finally, you actually got to see it. And I think the worst part was it was about that police officer putting his knee on his neck. I think that was showing inhumane, the, the worst of inhumanity that any of us probably have ever seen. The whole world watched that. And the whole world had a feeling about that, whether it was good or bad. Everybody was affected by it. Uh, then we've had the Freddie Gray's, we had all of it, but something about this is to literally just sit there and watch that and then watch all his fellow officers and stuff staying there, not trying to pull them off of them and just staying like this is normal behavior. This is what they've been doing for so long. So I think this is what God has said, here you go in black and white. Now what you're going to do with it, it's got to be a time for change. And I think okay. George Floyd... Okay, let me ask you another question now. We were dealing with black-on-black black crime. Now, the police-on-black crime has been there, but now it's more prominent. What do you think about that? Well, because you know, we I all... don't call it black-on-black black crime because Chinese kill Chinese, white kill white, you know, Mexicans kill Mexicans, Africans kill African. It's just we do It's so much of it because we are... And a lot of it, it comes from oppression and poverty and systemic issues that's been in our communities for so long. It's been going on for a long time. If you remember back in the day, I know I was young, and you, every movie we had, everything, every movie we went to, every black movie, everything in our lives was involved around drinking, drugs, and violence. That's all been put into our psyche all these years. And now you got more and more people doing it. You got mass production of it now. Everybody's watching it. Then you have the rappers singing the garbage and then dancing to it. And you got the BT TVs and you got all this access to social media and it's just being pushed out, but it's pushed out like it's fancy and that's what you're supposed to do. And the disrespect that come along with it. Just a lot of disrespect. The very fabric, more fabric of our um, of our country is broken, and unfortunately, it's broken by the young people. And we can't. And you know, God is speaking through the young people. He said they would be wiser and foolisher. And we're the debt is belongs to us. You know, we're paying a debt that these our children are paying a debt, Orlando, that they don't owe. This stuff has been going on in our communities for so long, and we have glorified it for so long. And now mm. it's hitting. I mean, we got nine and ten year old babies shooting and going to the criminal justice system, mm. and we're Jesus. silent. Wow. Okay, we're gonna pause. 
pause there for a second, and we're going to bring Pastor Erica Stanley of Masterpiece Community Connection Ministries on and get her perspective of what's been going on, because I know she's been sitting back listening. She, we've been talking about it in church, and now it's yeah. a pleasure to have her on here um, so we can go back and forth. You know, get an idea of someone who started a program to help those of moms of Miss Daphne Austin of mothers of murdered sons and daughters. And now we have our beloved pastor, Erica J. Stanley. Pastor, can you um, chime in on this discussion, please? Sure. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I I really believe that, um, you know, God is allowing the covers to be pulled back all the way back. There, you know, now everything is in plain sight. You can no longer hide or uh, falsify the police records. You can no longer falsify saying that, um, you know, you didn't do it or they had a gun or they had uh, any type of drugs on them and then kill them because, you know, uh, probable cause. This this is now uh, George Floyd. Um, life being taken is now caused a movement, a movement for everybody, which has been a long time coming. What else would make us get up and protest and say enough is enough? This is not humanity. This is not love thy neighbor as I love myself. This is not the word of God. It's not the systematic of God. And so something had to happen. Unfortunately, George Floyd had to lose his life like that. But his life was never his own. It was always God's. But it also uh, rose up something in each, every human being to say, guess what? I'm not just going to protest in Minneapolis, but I'm going to protest in Boston. I'm going to protest in Baltimore. I'm going to protest in Europe. It was a movement everywhere. So that the uh, one, I believe, it is allowing the Christians to ra- rise up and to wake up. It's time for us to wake up and to get back in our proper place so that the church could be the community again. The church is the center of the community. We were uh, supposed to give resources and supplies and prayer and directions because we're the ones responsible for the word of God. And so when we're no longer being the church and giving out the word of God so that our our community and the people can function the way the word of God says it's supposed to be, then the people are lost because we're not back in our, our rightful place giving and doing the word of God as leaders. So I think everyone has a part to play. The police has a part to play. Of course, it's an old, old system, a system that, um, you know, when they swear those police officers in, they swear them into that system. It's a brotherly code. When I talk to officers, they have a brother code that they don't tell on each other. A police itself, the police system, is a whole community by itself, just like there's a homeless, there's a homeless community by itself, that's a police system that is a community by themselves, and they take an oath. When they are sworn in, they have a brother code. So if they did see crime from another police officer, they're not going to snitch or dine because it's just like a gang initiation. Once they initiated into the police um, um, 
community, they're not they're not snitching. What would they do or what would happen to their families if they if they told the truth about what happens to all of our young children and men that have been killed? That's why you can't you can't uh get them, you know, charged or they um, you know, press charges against them because they it's a community. It's like a gang initiation. Okay, so um, you say it's like a gang initiation. So, what, yeah. you know, this is questions for both of you. What can we do in the community? Because the world is going crazy right now, and I, I appreciate what you said, Pastor. When it the George Floyd has affected everyone because now everyone um, is out in the open. Once things are exposed, once everything is exposed, then that's when the world just said, "Is enough is enough." Because I said a long time ago that we should disband the police and start all over again. They, that's something that they did already. If you've been watching and reading in the news, that's something that they did already in Camden, New Jersey, uh, approximately seven years ago. They started eight years ago, but it happened seven years ago where they just fired them all, brought some back, and start all over again. And as you said, um, Pastor Erica, that there's a brotherly – love uh, brotherly code there and i also said um a long time ago that they should get rid of the the uh, federation of police they need to be taken apart disbanded and put back together because it doesn't make sense to have a code of uh a demented code of ethics that would say hey let's uh this is our code whatever happens stay whatever happens stays here you know, good or bad or indifferent, whatever happens stays here. So that's that's what I'm hearing, you know, because it's a code. We stick together, regard good or bad. If it was good, fine. If it was bad, fine. We're not going to give each other up because if you do, then you probably, you know, there's a lot of, there's several murders that haven't been even been solved in Baltimore City right now. And I've been following one. Um, but there's several that haven't been solved. They'll say even a police officer, I forgot his name, but even a police officer, a detective that was killed, but no one knows how he was killed in that alley. So it, it's crime That's somewhere. And we're calling out in the community. He was in the alley, but no one knows, you know, how he was killed. They say it was suicide. So, And, and I think about the uh, poor family that's going through. You know, his wife that can't get anything because, you know, it has been unsolved. So my, I have an issue with that. And I'm sure many other people have an issue with that. But the, the question is, where do we go from now, from the George Floyds, from um, things that are happening in the community right now? We get, we get from a pandemic, then we go from a pandemic to, you know, this, this young man losing his life. And then, you know, you know and it's still going on. Any questions well, on comments? I, I think that I'm. I'm sorry. Any? You, you, did you want to chime in the show? Chime in, but I, I want uh, Pastor Sandy to go ahead and say what it is she was to say. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Pastor. Well, I think this. Um, who pays for the police? Our taxes pays for the police department. And if our taxes pay for the police department, part of our taxes pay for the police department, part of our problem is is that we don't vote. We got to get out there and vote. You know, we got to be there when they're having town meetings. 
you know, when they're making changes in our city and in um, Baltimore City, we need to be downtown in the mayor's office when they're ha- putting um, laws and putting things, instituting things in place. The problem is we don't show up. We show up right. after the fact. We gotta we gotta uh, be there when uh, laws are being made. We we you know we have to have a voice, but we can't have a voice afterwards. We have to have a voice before. And so if we don't vote, we can't make any changes. I tell people all the time, you know, if you don't vote, you made a choice. What do you mean I made a choice? You made a choice because you did not vote. So you cannot be angry about the person that is in office because you did nothing about making a change to put the right person in office. So, yes, they're going to be the primary and more people um, that we don't like are in office is because we don't do enough to get in our communities, to rally in our communities, to set up voters' registrations, to make sure that our, our people in those communities, whether um, a reason why some parts of Baltimore City don't have a lot of money is because the people are asleep and we don't vote. We don't wake them up to say, hey, there's money out there that can go to the community. We need more rec centers. We need more stuff for our youth to do other than the police uh, signaling them out, chasing them down, because there's nothing to do. You close schools, you close rec centers, and but we need some uh, our people to go and vote and say enough is enough. We need this in our community. If I went to Roland Park, you would see uh, great educational schools in Roland Park. You'll see rec centers. There's all kinds of activities for their youth. You don't see a lot of youth hanging out on the corner. Why? Because they're going to go and park, uh, vote, go and vote, but they also going to go to the neighborhood community association meetings. That's where a lot of the, um, uh, you know, decisions also be made. We got to get to those community association meetings and have our voice and vote against things that um, for them to uh, allow to come into our community. So this avenue, this resources out there, we just need to know what resources that are out there, but also be a participant in those resources. You're, this is your community. This is your neighborhood. You're, we all are responsible for our community, for Baltimore City. If I pay my tax money to Baltimore City, I'm responsible because you're taking my tax money and you're placing it in some place I don't like. So I have a responsibility to to vote, to make those changes. You know, there's enough organizations out there that we can all join together in some organization that something has happened to make change. Only time we can we don't make change is if we are ignoring the signs don't say anything, and we don't vote. That's one of our problems is that we need to vote. All right. All right, Amen. Michelle. <laughs> Look, she just said a whole mouthful. So it, that was kind of attendant on the question I was going to ask because we were talking about the issues and what we see. But uh, my question and, and – um, Miss Olsen can can chime in on that too, but it was more so about, you know, the actions. So Pastor Stanley already mentioned some of the actions like voting, um, community is being involved in your community association. But um I was interested to know like what other 
actions do they really feel um, can can really make a real difference, and also um, where they believe the the that prayer comes into this, um, as far as the police and that whole system, and and then our kids, because I think those are the two areas um, that we definitely need to concentrate on. And um, I wanted to mention there's so there's a, a program called Fellowship of, of Christian Athletes, and they are doing some things in the city that, um, you know, I haven't seen being done. They figured out a way to be able to get back into school, um, and they're actually um, hosting or or helping with student-led sort of Bible study right in the school. And different teachers or whoever in the school, they can they can kind of, um, uh, I guess, leave it or um, co-sign for it to be brought in, but it has to be student-led. And so that's something that's growing in the city right now. And I really think that is one of the best things that I've seen happening. But, you know, that's just one organization. That's just that's just one group. So what can we do? And anyone who wants to can tackle that. Well, I think uh, uh, being on a Christian show, I, I think I have to be polite. But I think in the last twenty or thirty years, the church has been nothing in the community. I'm out here in the street every day. I'm, I go to the uh, to the prisons, juvenile justice, and talk to them. But God, they don't want to hear nothing about that. They don't want to hear nothing about it because they don't understand how come God don't come to the ghetto. You know, mm. they don't see nothing. They come out their house, it's broken. The house is broken inside, it's broken outside, the school is broken. They walking over trash, wreck, garbage, alcoholics laying on the ground, drug addicts, people hanging on the corner, but you're going to try to take them a Bible and tell them to read it? Give me a break. And then it's not going to happen like that. That stuff needs to be done at a young age. I'm talking about start introducing them four and five years old. You can't wait and run out to somebody 15 years old and say, hey, I need you to act right, take this Bible and read it, and then do something with it. It's not going to happen like that. The church went from saving souls straight to prosperity and left the middle middle baby behind. When I go to church now, I'm getting nothing out of it. I don't need to hear another preached word, nothing. Because all I look around, see everybody all dressed up and doing this, and everything around them is falling apart. The preachers don't even live in the communities that they serve anymore. The drug dealers sell dope, and the preachers are selling hope. And there's it's no in-between in it nowhere. And I've been out here 12, 13 years. I've been to every town. I live in Hartford County. Really what goes on in the city is none of my business. But that's where God sent me. So disappointed in what I see. The church ministry is so disappointed. I told my grandmother and them, their prayers was my great grandmother and their prayers was about slavery and all. My grandmother, my next grandmother, their prayers was about um, their prayers was their prayers was about uh, civil rights, being able to go to the restrooms and black places, and being able to do all this. 
our prayers should was nothing. We start getting houses and cars and little education, going to Morgan and start doing all this kind of climbing that corporate ladder. And we didn't take the community with us or the children with us. Mm. I don't know I don't know any black history to white schools. All of us live out here in the county. We don't know no black history. I couldn't participate in a black history thing if I if it saved my soul. So our children don't know their culture, they don't know their history. If they knew it they would be better. We just don't get it. No, we moved into these planned communities. We take our tax dollars out of the city, we move to the county to all these we build these beautiful homes and all this kind of stuff, and then we leave those people behind. And then we turn our nose up at them like, oh, they got up. Oh, man, I, ain't, I don't go up in the city at night. I don't do that. I ain't going up there and crabs in the broad. People talk about the people so bad that live in the city, and nobody is helping. Nobody. I just sent so many letters to churches and preachers asking them to donate to my organization. We don't get 50 cents. And it's been 12 years. I'm talking about 50 cents. They invite you to come put you on a program so they can fill you up on their program, but there's no follow-up behind it. There's mothers in every church who has lost their children, and we ask them, at least give us the names or give out cards so the, the people can get healed. They can get some spiritual healing and some other kind of healing. You got all that pain walking around the whole city and place of all these broken homes, and nobody's dealing with it. Oh, go! Oh, we need mental health counseling now. You know, we, we got to start with these kids who are young and start work. So what the mother and father's on drugs and stuff? It's not the kids' fault. Where's the church? Where's the community? We'll go get these kids and try to raise them and help. Where, where is it? Till we meet there, we don't have nothing coming. We've been waiting for Jesus to fix it for a long time. Everybody's all oh, let Jesus fix it. Jesus ain't going to do nothing until we do something. And until we get to that point and stop showing off, and then we say, oh, this is not for form or fashion, but it is. You go back, then you go back, get your Mercedes and your nice car, and you drive back to Ellicott City or wherever you live. Them people there still hungry and still poor. To the next Sunday, you come back and feed us some more of it, and it's getting worse and worse. Now this whole generation don't have nothing to do with God or no church. They don't have nothing to do with it whatsoever, and it's a problem because they don't see no God. They don't see it. They don't see that through their hunger and their pain and their drug addict parents and the act. They don't see the God that we see. You know what I mean? So how do we introduce that back into the lives of these children? Because it is okay. no longer going to be in the building. I thank God shut that day. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Pastor. Uh, I, 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 wanna... I, I think that that I is would like why. Go ahead, Michelle. Oh, no. I want you to go ahead because I was about to say, so Miss Olsen, let me introduce you to Pastor Erica Stanley because she she does she does get in the community. She she's really a community pastor. But go ahead, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so Miss Olsen, I, I I want to tell you I I really appreciate your honesty because I think this is what what we need to hear that what real ministry is about. Not every child you know, comes from a white house and a picket fence. 
you know, um, where I, I work with children whose parents are drug addicts and the children have to go and panhandle to get food for um, day-to-day basis or, you know, um, not able to go to school because they worried about their parent or their father, their mother, uh, you know. So I, I do understand that. But I, I believe this, that um, the church has to be the church. But we also have to be who we say we are. The community has to learn to trust the church again. Um, you have to. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I know for myself, um, I'm the director of housing for homeless families. That's what I do. It's a passion. It's what God called me to do. But I could not sit in the position of being the program manager unless I was yet homeless myself. So I'm not talking something that I don't know. I'm talking about something that I experienced and um, with my child. So when I am with an individual and they're homeless and they may smell, they may not have. In fact, I order food from my office so that the children will have something to eat before they leave there. You know, that I got pampers, that I got wipes, I got all of these things. They didn't ask me for these things. But I'm going to make sure that they have these things before they leave my presence. Now, I may not be able to change the whole city. But I can change one family at a time. And it's it's a position that God has placed me in because um, I was once there myself, and I have compassion. So when I'm in these positions, it's not a position that I'm just, okay, I've climbed up the ladder. No, it's because he needed me as a Christian to show them the light of who Jesus Christ is and show them compassion and give them that love and restore. My job is to restore. I already know the problem. I already know what's broken, but how am I going to play the part in that person's life to be, uh, to fix and to restore? That's my job of restoration. And so I bring hope and I talk the talk. I get out here in these communities. In fact, I'm a resident market um, uh, leader in, in East Baltimore. You know, I get out in the community. I work with some of the councilmen. I work with some of the leaders um, to make change. And I won't say it's always easy. It's not easy because it's going. You're fighting an old system, or you're fighting for people who are just in those positions just to say it's another uh, title or another uh, position on their resume. I'm not for no uh, resume. I don't. I don't care about titles, but I do care about the individual. I do care about someone's life and the changes that need to go on. If I have within my own power to enhance someone's life, to change, to better that person's life. Let's take pastor out of the way. How about me being a human being? See, I don't need a title to love you. I don't need a title to give you food and water and drink and give you resources. You know, I, I don't need that title. I just need to be a human being. And when I look at that person with compassion, as we see um, now with the pandemic, there's a high rate of where did the uh, let me check because uh, uh, I still see her of the pandemic. So, so uh, we passed the family. We missed what you said. You went out. We missed you. 
I'm sorry. I, I was fault. saying that. I was saying that there's a high rate of domestic violence. And so now when you call some of the resources, they're not taking you because of the pandemic. So what do you do with your right. children? And, and, and you know, you got this high domestic violence. You know, the person is, is threatening you, kicking in your door and things. Where do you go? The church got to stand up and be the church. That's right. We, we, we got to get back in place. Guess what? There wasn't no welfare system. It used to be the church gives out the resources. We were the welfare system. The right. church was uh, praying. The church was giving clothes when you needed things. The church was the church. And we got to get back. I think this is the reason why God is pulling the cover, not only off of, off of police officers, but off of the church too. Because right. we got to get back in place in alignment with God and, 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 and look at his systematic. And so since we won't uh, abide or obey his system, the cover's got to be pulled off. And so, yes, I, I understand that that um, people don't trust the church and is angry with the church and don't want to hear the word of God. Someone told me, said, if you feed me, I'll come. So with the heart of mm. compassion, when Jesus looked at the uh, 5,000 and they were hungry, you know, right. the disciples wanted to send them away. He said, no, what do you have? He said, okay, right. whatever, the, whatever, you, whatever you have, bring it to me. I'm going to bless it, <laughs> break it, and give it out. And so right. we got to follow his example. We can no longer follow our own agenda. We have to follow the word of God. And in the word of right. God is the blueprint on how we treat the human beings, our brothers and sisters, how we're supposed to um, be uh, the church. Um, and, and it's all in alignment with the word of God. Then they'll begin to trust God again because their need will be met. Now, I won't say that's everybody, but those who have an ear to hear. You know, right. they will come. And so we've got to uh, uh, be who God called us to be. Take away those titles. It's not about getting money. All this. It's not about, yes, you need money to supply resources, but you also have the knowledge. And when you build and foster relationships, all needs will get met. The problem is, is that we don't want to foster relationships because everybody wants to leave. Nobody wants Amen. to follow. And we have to be humble and submit to one another because we can't do it without each other. We need each right. other to be able to fix this issue that's not just going on in Baltimore City. I'm talking about all over the world. We've got to get back to the blueprint of the Word of God. And when the people, uh, leaders and, and people's heart change, and surrender to God and let him give you a clean heart, a new heart, we be, we will be able to pump together the clean blood um, as one. It's only one uh, one uh, chief. God is just, it's only God and God alone. And so when we get back to that. Yep. Oh. Interpretation. But re Pastor Stanley, we're leaving you again. I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, yeah, I see her. She's still in the studio, but uh, she dropped out. Oh, I need you to take my number and, and my information so that we can work together. 
Okay. Well, I don't get it from the lady. <laughs> Over there, we can come together, and guess what? We'll make it happen. All right, yeah, we'll make sure that we'll make sure that she gets your information, Pastor. But um, what we're going to do, I didn't even take break because this was too it was too much going on, and we were enjoying this. What we're going to do now is we have uh, someone in the studio, and I'll let um, Michelle take this part because we have twenty minutes left. Yeah. And actually, we're going to have to have another show. I know we're definitely going to have to have another show. But um, I'll let we lost to ask the question so. If you could call back in, I'm not sure what happened. But um, the caller who wanted to ask the question, um, come back in because we're we're about to do that now. But um, so we have um, some questions or comments, and we wanted to get them in. That that's what we were going to do, correct? Yes. Okay. All right, so caller ending, your number ending in 1552. Again, caller, your number ending in 1552. You're on with, oh, and maybe they didn't mean to do that because they just, I think they just left (laughs) too. That's fine. That's fine. Somebody put themselves in the queue by mistake. But I know some. I know somebody wanted to ask a question, and they're not in the queue anymore. But uh, we'll leave it at that. We can go back to the conversation until the one who wanted to ask the question comes back in. Okay. Okay. You too. Up. Oh. <laughs> so, someone else just jumped back in. It's oh. all you again, the show. Yeah. I think so caller call ending in 7708. Again, caller ending in 7708. Welcome to the Man in the Mirror show. Do you have a question or comment for our guest? Thank you. No, I actually don't have a, a question, but I actually just wanted to piggyback um, on some of the things that I did here. Um, you guys are com- completely right. We have a mistrust with the police department and with the church. Um, I do think that um, I was talking to my pastor about street ministry because I was wondering how or who was getting the word if everybody in the church are the same people that come every week. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure out how was the word getting spread. And I think that one of the major problems is is that nobody, you know, when I read stories of Jesus, they were outside. They were outside spreading the word. And in all honesty, with this pandemic, this is an opportunity for people to be outside spreading the word. So um, I think that, that this is a reason all of this happened. And I really feel like this pandemic, uh, the way that everything was spread around the world, we don't know what the situation is, whether it was a man-made disease or whatever, but we know for it to touch every continent, continent that God had to have the panic. So I feel like things were shut down so that we could come back in unity. So I think that street ministry, in all honesty, whether when the pandemic ends or not, I think that street ministry will be our major tool to get sold. We can't sit in the building because everybody's not going to come to you. we got to get out here and reach people. And a lot of times you'll see the Muslims or you'll see the Israelites or you'll see the Jehovah's Witness, and they'll be outside and they'll be spreading the word, the word that they believe or whatever it is that they want to spread, but you never see Christians out. And I've always wondered about that most of my life. And I think that I'm supposed to be doing something in reference to getting out here and spreading the word in the street. So I'm just going. I, I think that that's something that we may need to sway towards. And again, um, reaching these children, like you said, because it's not too late for anybody to get the word of God. But in all honesty, in order for us to really make an impact, 
we need to get these children and we need to get them now. We need to get these kids and we need to get them now. We need to teach them prayer. We need to teach them meditation. We need to teach them fasting. We need to teach them how to connect with God so that we can get back to that. And in order for for the communities to change, we got to get back in the community. My grandmother used to go out and do Afro Clean Block and clean the streets. And a lot of the resources that were provided in the cities have been purposely taken away. So, unfortunately, in order for these things to change, we're going to have to invest our own. We're going to have to put our own money into it. We're going to have to get out here and do our own, to get out here and get our own recreation centers. And all honesty, right. it's a lot of things are put in place in the city for us to fail. And it's very difficult for people who don't live here to understand. You don't, it's, it's like a, a setup. It's a plan. Everything is put into place for destruction. So we need to think that's going to be our most powerful tool. We have to think. We have to come up with ideas to change it. And that's all I wanted to say. Well, I definitely appreciate well, thank that. Thank you so uh, much for your comments. Before um, the pastor or Miss Austin answers, I would like to say that I grew up as a Mennonite in North Philadelphia. And um, the young lady, the, the, well, she was young then, but she's older now. The young um, um, Caucasian lady, Miss Darlene, was the one that actually brought me to Christ at a young age. And it was street ministry. You know, she was going in, not just in the church but she was going out into the street teaching Bible studies during the summertime, having Bible study on the steps, um, singing songs, teaching us those songs that, you know, showed us what God was about, just showing us love, um, taking us to, you know, camps on the summer and like that. So we need to, as you said, we need to get back to that because we're not doing it anymore. You know, we, we're at, the church is expecting everyone else around them. And I won't say all churches, but, uh, some of the churches are expecting everyone else around them to do that. We're expecting the community centers to do that. The community centers aren't bringing Christ to the to, our, to the society. They you know that direct. They don't even have rec places anymore. So we need to get back, as the young lady said, to the old way of doing things. You know, the church needs to get out there. The church needs to bring the word to the young people because even if you plant the seed. Even if we plant the seeds, because those seeds, you know, were planted in me as a young as a young boy, you know. So even when the plants, the seeds were planted, then everything started to germinate and grow, and God started to, you know, work in my life. Am I perfect? No, but at least I remember, as the young lady said, you know, we she they went out in the street, they preached the word, they sang songs, they did everything they could to make sure and. My neighborhood was always looking forward for those summer, you know, Bible studies. Michelle, yeah. uh, I was I was going to say we actually have another um, caller, but I didn't know whether um, one of our guests had something in response to what the first caller said. If not, we'll go ahead and take the second caller. Um, uh, we have another uh, caller. Oh, go go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry, this is Pastor Erica. Um, I, I think that the young lady is right. We do have to go back out and be disciple. We have to get back out in the community. Again, I would say this and say this again. The the community used to know the face of the church. The face of the church has to know the community. So it is about us getting back out there. But I also have to say that we have to be, uh, the church has to put itself in position to open up rec centers, open up, you know, shelters, to open up places 
um, so that we can um, develop those relationships and people will have a place to go and we can introduce prayer and we can introduce the word of God um, again. But we have to get back in a place where we're not just renting places, but we're owning places and then we can develop, um, you know, shelters and um, homes, you know, uh, all these investors that are coming from out of state and from other places, buying up all of the properties that we're we're paying taxes for, that they come and buy for a dollar or low minimum fee and charge us all this uh, money um, where, you know, the people don't have a job to afford um, to even live in that area. And so we need to um, have an economic plan to buy back our city, to take back our city so that it could be for the people in the city. Yeah, right. And I definitely like uh, one of our previous guests. Uh, he had, he was running a ministry in a um, you know poverty stricken area in like Indiana, I believe it was. And yes. mm-hmm. one of his main points, yeah, one of his main points is that um, kind of along the lines of what Miss Olson said is that the the children are not trying to hear about God. They, you need to meet their physical needs, whether it's a need to have some mentors and role models around them, whether they're physically hungry, clothed, whatever, whatever their physical need, you need to meet the physical needs, and, and that softens their heart to hear about the spiritual. Or they can just look at your example from what you're doing in the community that like we're 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 walking examples of God's love. So if they can see that and get to witness it on a daily basis while you're giving to your community and you're helping them solve their actual natural needs and what's going and what is going on with them, then that is even a better combination than just going out to preach and walking away. Um, so I'm I'm gonna bring the caller on. Um caller ending in seven four four five. Again the number caller ending in seven four four five. Welcome to the man in the mirror. Do you have a question or comment for our guest? Caller ending seven four four five. Do you have a comment for our guest? We may have a- you may have lost the call, and let me try one more time. Caller ending in 7445, do you have a comment or question for our guest? Can you? Okay. We may have lost that, that caller. Sorry. Was that one of you all talking, or did I just cut the call? <laughs> <laughs> did somebody already say something? I think I just cut them off. Let me try one more time before I call it in the 7445. Did you have a comment or question for our guest? Yes. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Hello? You can Praise hear me? Praise the Lord. We can hear you. Yes. Can you okay. hear us? I just, wanted to, I just wanted to make a plain statement that 
the churches are in the community because my church is in the community and we walk the streets and we pray in our community. We pray for our neighborhoods. We knock on the door. We ask the people, how can our church help you? What is your need? What do you need the church to do for you? We try to get a feel for the people. We want the people to know that we're in the community and if they need us, we're there. We hand them out cards. We give out food um, food baskets to them. We even have children. Uh, we have the men of valor. We have the uh, women of excellence. We have all of these programs. We go out into the streets and we invite them to come in. So it's not that the church has given up on the community. The community has given up on the church, but we're trying to bridge that gap right now. We're trying to bring them back. We're trying to work with the Ministry of Reconciliation. We want to bring back those people back into the community, but we're trying to figure out what other ways and what other means we can do to get this organization back on track. Because as they say, God is looking at us and we need to get ourselves together so that we can get out in the community and do the things that God has called us to do. So we can't move into the counties and we can't forget about the city. Those who have went to the county, we need to come back to the city so we can help the city. Everybody is running from the city, but it's where the city is where where we, where we need to help. We need help in the city, so if anybody out there who wants to help in the city, they can call any church and ask to hook up. We need to have that hook up again. That's the all. help that I know, um, this is Daffy, most of the help that I know comes in, and I can say this particularly, come from the Catholic uh, churches because I sell eyeglasses for a living, and a lot of poor people come in there, and they be getting checks to pay for their eyeglasses. I've been doing this 40 years, and they always come from a Catholic church. Or the Catholic church is always sending something around saying that they have this. And Catholic church is paying rent. They're paying gas and electric bills. And the people. And that's what a lot of people afford. A lot of black people now are finding their way in those inner-city Catholic churches because they are really out there on the front line. Now, in all our walks and our ministry walks and stuff, they out there. They join us, and they come out, and they show up. And I always encourage the community. We have a lot of homicides with our young men and women out there, and nobody from the church is to be found at those funeral homes. And I tell the ministers in the past, when you want to have a voice and you want God to use you, you need to come to those funerals or those wakes where you got three and four or five hundred young people coming in there. Get and pull and act. I act all the time. I act the funeral director in there. Can I have a microphone so I can speak? And I'm not a minister or anything, but I know their pain. I, I have experiences, so I'm able to calm them at that moment. But sometimes I need somebody to look, tell me, hey, you're doing a good job, and I know your pain. I need somebody to pray for me sometime and say, um, I'm with you. How in the world are we sitting around let three and four and five hundred of our children be murdered every year and we say nothing? And it's going to keep growing and growing and growing. Now there are so-called, quote, innocent people that are being killed. Because we let children do what they see, what we allow them to do. There are no arrests. For home. It's been 12 years for my son. I live in a predominantly white community. You think the white man give a darn about our kids killing each other? There's no money in there to fight crime. They let them just kill each other off on the street because we're not saying anything. 
we can march for police brutality, but we can't even march for our own neighbors and our nephews and nieces and stuff. And we, we march for God, who we have never seen, and we can't even march and, and say enough is enough for the people that we see 2020 every day. It's like they're invisible to us. God don't want all that stuff. He don't need you to quote all the scriptures. He don't need you to do all that kind of stuff. He needs you to be the people that he called you to be. And this is why he's moving people to another direction. This is why my voice can be more heard more so than the pastor because I'm going out there with something that I know and felt and dealt with, and the people receive that. And you said you do a lot out in um, you do a lot of street ministry with the homeless and all. Those people depend on you. They can feel your spirit, and they know that you're genuine. Nobody can tell a person's story except for the person who has experienced it. And the government and the people in charge and stuff, nobody wants to hear from us little old people. They don't want us to get and say credit or anything if a change does happen. They don't want to hear from They box you out. The pastor will box you out. They don't want you to say you're, you have a ministry or anything like that. We're the ones out here really touching souls and changing. What if we wasn't out there? 300 psalmicides could easily be seven and a, 700 and 1,000. So somebody, if we speak to one person at a time, and they're changing their mind. They might go in the house and change their mind. That's another life that has been saved. We we look at stuff in big numbers. We want the big platforms. We want the big numbers. But it's person by person by person. And we have to, we see it. We can spiritually feel somebody that's going through something. Oh, I'm gonna shut up in a minute. But an older man told me this one day. We were walking. I said, "How you doing, sir?" And he said, "I'm doing fine." I told, "That's good." I said, "You having a good day?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "He came and said, Miss, thank you." And I said, "For what?" He said, "You actually stopped and asked me, was I okay?" Normally, we walk past people. How you doing? And go on in our car, walk on up the street. Nobody ever oh. stops and say that person could be ready to commit suicide. Get ready to go kill somebody. Get ready to go do anything. And we got to take the time to stop. When the spirit says stop, you just got to stop and say, hey, how you doing, sir? You having a blessed day? You know, anything like that. It's an individual person. We try to we try to feed the multitude when he just told us one at a time, you know? And if you get the big gang guy, then the rest of them are going to follow. He's the leader. So we got to work on we we see the struggle. You see that the way their hair is, their pants hanging down, their skin is dull, they mean looking, and they are, and they just staking out them so wrapped up and tied up, and we're not breaking that, we're not breaking it. And we can do it. And it could be, like I said, on an individual uh, basis. When one sheep is lost, what happens? So let me go back and go get the one that was lost. You didn't let him just swing on off by itself and let him figure it out. Go get him. The young man allegedly killed the three-year-old and his girlfriend. He was struggling so bad. He's talked to people that he was struggling, whatever their situation was. He was struggling, and it was nothing wholesome. Nobody would probably say, well, you need to get some counsel. Let me take you here. People made suggestions, but nobody really followed it through. And then you see what happened. 
Mm-hmm. We're letting our young people Amen. fall because we're not taking the time to address their issue. You don't have to call your girlfriend up, gossip about and see me. Say, do what God told you to right. do. Right. And that's what I don't. Well, I want to not talk about what's wrong. I want to talk about how we can move forward. Right. Changes, y'all. I have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dead babies in caskets. Hundreds. And crying mothers and fathers and grandparents. Do you know that the whole city is traumatized? It has affected almost every household, just like the mm-hmm. COVID. Act is worse than the COVID because it has the COVID hasn't gotten everybody's household. I mean, mm. it's sad. Well, I go to emergency time. room. Yes. Go ahead, Pastor. We have to have I was very definitely going. Okay. I said we definitely yeah. gonna have to have a a part two sounds like <laughs> we're yeah. we gonna need a part two. We're, I kind of figured that. Yeah. A part two because we 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 are out we out of time and this is. Hey, like, we can we I, can go on a few more minutes. Is there, it, more. We can go yeah, on a few fine, more minutes. But yeah. We, and we had, I mean, so, I've been doing a lot of radio programs and TV and all that kind of stuff, but we're not meeting the masses. And the young okay. people are on social media. My God, they're on social media morning, noon, and night. They take their phone in the bathroom. They take it in the kitchen. They take it in the shower. They take, and I'll be on there, too, and I'll be looking, and I never see. People go online, and they download the spiritual quotes. And stuff. You see it all day long. They down. Why aren't the people in the churches in their communities and the radio stations and the people right here in their communities are not buying, putting their money into um, little commercials that throw something out there or 1 800 numbers of you in the process of suicide or you thinking about this? And why we don't have that on our, we don't have that for the young people. So they're going to get it. They get it from street advice. Well, we can give it to them. We have to be where they are, right on social media. You're right. Yeah, I think that I think you're you're right. There are some resources out there that are, are Christian based that are for youth. Um, uh, Tammy Braswell, she just opened up a uh, clinic. It's um, to to youth. It's to adults. Um, you know, she. Uh, services of those out there and she's right in Park Heights, you know, right in the hood. She didn't take her business. She goes to the business anywhere, but she put it right in the heart where it's needed. First of all, we got to find out where God needs us to be so that we can be effective. Uh, you know, there's a lot of places out there, but are we effective? So we got to go back to being effective. And I think, you know, I think sometimes we're afraid of people. People are just people. I know that people have motives, but we're just they're just people. There's somebody's son, there's somebody's daughter, and sometimes they're just waiting for us to say, you know what, you have a beautiful smile today. It opens up the conversation when you show love and kindness. When you show love first, you know, that opens up the door to the uncomfortability that you or individual may have with reaching people. And then once you get their attention, um, you know, by just giving them a kind gesture, then you can be able to talk about some other stuff because you came with a positive note first. 
We already know what the negative is. They already see the you, you know, they already see their condition. But they wanna know, you know, uh they gotta put a wall up to find out which way you coming. But once you tear down that wall, once you allow them to take down that, that wall and begin to minister to them from a real perspective, you may not have to throw all the Bible quotes, but be the Bible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Be right. the loving kind right. and, right. and be, right. you know, be who God called you to be, and then they'll be able to receive you um, because, you know, you're not coming from a place of judgment. Their condition already judged them. Now we need them right. to see that God has something better for them than where they are. But sometimes right. it needs us to hold and walk a person through the process. Remember, everybody has a process. And not everybody can function in the process by themselves. And so they may need that mentor or that brother, that sister, to every time you walk past them to let them know, say, hey, you know what, where's that smile? Just those little things could brighten up a whole person's day, and then they'll be able to talk to you and trust you. So it's step work. You know what I mean? And then we'll be able to minister to that person from a real perspective and then introduce God. Because, you know, most of the time, people out there, they already been in church. A lot of the people that are homeless, they've been, they was raised in the church. They've been there, right. They've been there. They can, te- they can quote some Bible scriptures to you. However, they got caught up in the condition. And so what we have to do is introduce love and kindness back into our community. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So we got to introduce love again. And so as as I minister to a lot of women, I, I minister a lot of men and women who come to my job every day. Um, and and I, I, I project that love. I make sure that my spirit is right before I introduce myself to them. Because I need to allow the Holy Spirit to use me effectively to make change in that person's life so that they can see at least a glimpse of hope. Not in me, but in the Christ that lives in me. And so, um, you know, to love the people again, no matter where they are, I'm I'm in Baltimore City all day, every day. I drive up alleys, whatever the place is, I'm I'm there because there's no place too far for a person um, that I can't reach. Again, that's somebody's son, that's somebody's daughter. And if I had a best friend, and I'm going to say this, I had a best friend who was a pastor that committed suicide, changed my whole life because she's the one that introduced me to Christ. Right. And then I couldn't figure out her who took her life that introduced me to Christ. God is so good that he introduced me to Christ, but she took her life. But we missed the cues and, and the, the signals of mental health. There was right. something going on. You know, to talk about those things. Sometimes we just brushing people off when we just need to be still and listen. Because if we're really listening, we can really hear the issue and and try to get them some resources and some help. And maybe, just maybe, we could save a life. We're here to be life savers. Amen. All right. We, We... Uh, winding down. I appreciate everything you guys have said. And as Nichelle said, we will have to have a part two to this program. We will definitely have a part two 
because everything was needed. I appreciate both of you ladies. Um, uh, Ms. Daphne, please give everybody your information, how they can contact you, and Michelle will make sure it goes into our event page. Okay. Uh, they can reach me by email, um, which is D-L-O-0359 at yahoo.com. And they can um, – I'm also on Facebook as Daphne Austin. And I'll give my cell phone number out if anybody wants to call, which is 443-807-0152. Okay, and I'm sure the show got that. And Pastor, can you give your information so, you know, in case people want to contact you? Yes, um, my information, I'm at Masterpiece Community Connection Ministries. And we are at 5301 Hoffert Road, Baltimore, Maryland, 21214. Um, my telephone number is 443-760-0910. And you can also reach me by email, which is masterpiececministries at gmail.com. Excellent, excellent. Um, Nichelle, do you have any closing comments? Boy, <laughs> I just I just want to to thank you both. Um, I, I love your spirit, Miss Austin, because she is not about it. <laughs> She's like I'm calling it all out, and I love it because some yeah, things do need to be called out. So I yeah. I really uh, enjoyed this show, and I cannot wait for part two. Um, and and we definitely needed to hear this, and I I think you know when I'm listening to it, the main idea or thing I'm getting from it is that you know we all need to do this together. It doesn't we don't have to be together. We can be in unity without doing everything together, but we need to have some unity in what we're doing, and we all need to be involved. Everybody needs to do their part, whatever the Lord will have for them to do. Ms. Austin's doing her part, Pastor Erica's doing her part, and we all need to do our part as well to make this whole thing better, this city better, our children better, and just what we're going through better. And, you know, it's not about us. It's it's not about us singularly, but it's about us together and what we're going to do. And so I, I really just, that's what I took from from today, and I hope our guests were blessed by what they heard and really got something out of it. And, you know, I encourage our guests to definitely think of a way in your area and your community that you can make a difference, that you can reach people, and that you can be that living example of Christ in your community. Amen. Amen. Our, our callers as well. I don't think I thank all our callers. I want to thank our callers and our listening audience as well. Sorry. Thanks. Not, not a problem. I'd like to thank all of you who have been listening in on today's show. Again, Ms. Daphne and our, our beloved Pastor Erica are always part of the Man in the Mirror family. It was such a pleasure having these two power hitters. And honesty is the best there is. When we're honest, we can actually open up the eyes of those who really can't see. 
And it was good to hear their perspectives of today's event. And again, ladies, we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. We will put your information out there because you too will help us make a difference in our society. This is Kaya Nichelle. And as always, we'll see you at the mirror. <laughs>